And boom goes the dynamite. Your weapons and fight. Fight. And boom goes the dynamite. Fight. And dance with the devil. Welcome to another special edition of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Put on your tactical vest. It's time for Fighter Fest. <laughs> Fighter Fest is the festival of fights. Instead of one week of dynamite, we get two crazy nights. Um, except, yeah, except they don't do this at the CEO fighting game championships anymore. So it, it kind of ruins the whole fighter part of this. That it would there. I mean, were there fights? Were there fights and fighters? There were. They, okay. There, well, there did, were they, did they spell it with a Y? Yes, they did. Well, there you go. We're in the right place. Um, did you watch Elevation or Dark this week? I did. And here's why, Jeff. Max Caster. Max Caster is why I watched both programs. There was some other good stuff, like, on both shows. Um, uh, uh, and there's a match that's actually coming to mind right now that I'll probably come – they'll tell you about later. And there was some good wrestling. Uh, but Max Caster, man, uh, he's really on fire, and he uh, cut some scathing uh, hip-hop-style promos on both Elevation and Dark this week, uh, including one that I clipped on the BGTD page, uh, BGTD podcast. I, I um, did see that. <laughs> where he uh, he dropped a little weapons of mass destruction joke uh, against some troop gimmick uh, wrestlers they were facing. Just hilarious, man. Max Caster rocks. I know I sing his praises a lot, and I told you this in a DM. He might actually be my favorite wrestler right now. I'll put a pin in that, but he's at least in the conversation. Did you see that uh, we now have a, 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 a modern equivalent to Rick Rude showing up on both Raw and Nitro? Uh, yeah, the modern equivalent. Uh, what's her name again? Uh, Kelsey Heather. Yeah, Kelsey Heather, the modern uh, day ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, uh, appeared, saying it. Uh, appeared on both, uh, <laughs> appeared on both Dark Elevation where she got squashed by legit Layla Hirsch. And then she was part of, uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP's entourage on Raw, which I'm, I know that means something to somebody, but since I don't watch WWE, um, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know. hear a lot of good stuff about the hurt business. Um, but I, I, again, you know, not watching the show either. I don't know a whole lot about what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, cool for her. Yeah. I mean, good, yeah, good, good work. If you can get it, I guess, you know, absolutely. And with that, we go live to the H E B center in Cedar park, Texas, uh, which is not too far from where, uh, my, uh, my brother used to live. He, he just moved oh, nice. away. He, he, he just moved away from, uh, from the Austin area down to go to, go to San Antonio. But, uh, I, this place was right by where he lived. I think the last time 
AEW was there. I actually referenced that on that episode of Boom Goes a Dynamite, but that was like, you know, over 15 months ago, so I don't remember which episode that was. <laughs> but anyway, oh. we go there live for night one of Fighter Fest 2021. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, and we start right off with an IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship match. John Moxley defending against Machine Gun Carl Anderson in his first IWGP singles title challenge since November the 7th, 2015, where he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura. Trying to Damn, get the, this man's I, out here pulling facts. That's why they pay you the big podcast bucks. I actually just wrote the blog, uh, my New Japan blog, right before we went on the air and just posted it. So, yeah, it's it's fresh in my mind. But, yes, uh, this is also his first uh, New Japan match since um, since February 2016. Wow. That is a, that's a long layoff. It really kind of is. I, I don't know what he was up to during that time, but. Yeah, no, not anyway. really sure. Yeah, I, I mean, they, 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 him and Doc Gallows just kind of, you know, went off and did their own thing, I you guess. You mean Festus? <laughs> no, I mean the DOC is who, is who <laughs> I mean. Um, and uh, so this starts right off with uh, Eddie Kingston uh, laying the pipe to Doc Gallows, and that doesn't mean what you think it means. It just means, yes, he <sighs> had it. I was really hoping it meant what I thought it meant, Jeff. <laughs> Just one time, I wish it would mean what I think it means. Um, Me and Max Caster are the ones that wish it means what we think it means. Uh, yeah, so Eddie Kingston and Doc Gallows uh, brawl to the back. So we get a uh, pretty clean New, New Japan-style match. Yes. Uh, you know, pacing-wise, I thought, and, you know, we talked about this. Obviously, it's pretty uh, uh, hard not to compare this to the Yuji Nagata match, right? Because in the same vein, it's an opener. It's, you know, tailor-made for Moxley to kind of show off that championship. It's a match that's kind of a foregone conclusion as to who's the winner is going to be. But uh, it's about the journey. And I thought we got there nicely. Um, started off a little bit slow, but, you know, really had some good moments. Um, and, you know, nice to see Moxley in the ring again. Um, I, I, you know, what? I, I, I just was glad to see this version of Carl Anderson because it has been so long since I have actually seen this version of Carl Anderson. And, uh, it, it reminded me of the guy who, you know, nearly beat Okada in the 2012 G1 Climax final. Man yeah. can wrestle. Man can wrestle. And it'll be nice to see uh, what he does in New Japan going forward and future singles matches in AEW because I think he'll be getting more. Uh, if you want to see more Carl Anderson, he he and Doc Gallows will be taking part in the uh, Tag Team Turbulence tournament that's uh, starting off this Friday on NJPW Strong. So, wow. And he will not be the only person that we're going to reference with regard to that tournament tonight. Um, anyway... Uh, I thought that this match was not as good as the Nagata match, but at the same time, the full crowd uh, helped make it, you know, help. help yeah, make that, it I mean, that energy is hard to replicate. And we're going to talk pro about the crowd probably a lot as we review this uh, episode because it was a humongous part of the energy from what I thought, spoiler alert, what I thought was a very good AEW Dynamite tonight. Uh, yeah, I thought it was too. And I'm actually going to say that. Um, at the same time, it reminds me of another show that we I watched in Texas, uh, you know, some years ago. But I'll get into that at some point too. Ooh, uh, Moxley wins with a Death Rider, of course, because it's Absolutely. Moxley and a big one. Uh, Anderson sells it well. A little bit of an abrupt finish, and not the only sort of abrupt finish of the night. But I don't think any of the the finishes did any diminishing of the match quality. And I thought this was a good match. No, so uh, John Moxley uh, retains the IWG. 
IWGP U.S. heavyweight title. He is now the record holding uh, holder uh, uh, winner of this title. Find out that uh, this won't be uh, uh, Moxley's only title defense of Fighter Fest. No, it won't. But hold on a second. He 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 holds the record for both days held and the defenses record now. Wow. Because I mean. He, obviously not a super old belt, not a huge legacy, but he's kind of the one to establish it now, right? Yeah, he, he yeah, he actually he's now eclipsed uh Kenny Omega's record of four defenses from the inaugural reign of this belt mm. back in 2017 and Moxley's going to end up, you know, as, as if this, as long as this belt sticks around for a while, Moxley's going to be kind of the defining face of it, I think, for probably decades to come. Uh with that in mind, we go immediately to a backstage promo with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, but Lance Archer just kind of shoves Jake Roberts off to the side and challenges. Which he should be doing now. It's time. It's time to do that. And challenges John Moxley to a Texas death rematch. Woo! Finally. From, Love that. From Love Wrestle, that for that. From Wrestle Kingdom 14 way back on January the 4th, 2020, Which before the Archer world ended. Uh, to Archer's credit, a very good promo here. It was uh, really solid, really consistent. It was well-delivered. Uh, it contained all the things it needed to contain. Just like a really effective, efficient promo from a guy who's not necessarily known for it. I think he's come a long way as far as like a television wrestler, especially over the last you know, probably year or so. Uh, he's really gotten good on TV, and I'm super excited for this match. I think it might even top the Tokyo Dome match, honestly. We'll, we'll see, but... Uh... I think both those guys are in even better positions now, uh, believe it or not, credit, including Lance Archer, especially Lance Archer. Credit to Chris Damaseno because he mentioned that, you know what, we should just do an open uh, a Mox open challenge for the IWGP title every week on Dynamite now. And I'm I like, like, you know the, what, that's a good idea. <laughs> the, I think what you, you inevitably run into, which I guess you can't worry about it too much, but it would probably really resemble the John Cena 2015 run uh, with the U.S. title the WWE US title, and you probably want to avoid those comparisons. And also making the IWGP defense a special attraction on AEW programming, probably for the best, too. Yeah, No, I and I do agree with that. I, I do agree with both those points. But at the same time, you know, it's just nice to have an IWGP. I, I like watching the matches. No, Yeah, no yeah. question about it. Um, and there's more to we have We have more belts that aren't AEW belts, so don't even worry about it, even on this very show. And, and uh, yeah, with that in mind... Uh, Stay tuned because there's more to come from uh, from this challenge. We come back f- from commercial and we get uh, Andrade El, Ido- El Idolo for- and uh, Alex Abrahantes. Where uh, Alex and- Abrahat hat hates. <laughs> he has a hat. He's wearing a hat. Where- He's got a fun hat. He calls out El Triangulo de la Muerte. Does he call them out, or is he calling them in, or is he calling them over for for beers? I don't know. That That's kind of interesting. I'm really interested to see what the motivations and what the intent are, because all he said was, I'm looking for them. He didn't well, lay down the challenge. He didn't say, I want to fight anybody. It, all he it, said was, I'm looking for them. He did say that, but it, it, it's very interesting for uh, on a couple of levels. One, I think I think Andrade and, and Pac may have had some dealings in, in WWE, or did they, did they not cross over? Uh, it seems like they would have, but I can't remember. I think Pac might have been gone by the time Andrade was really making his come up, but I just can't remember. Okay, uh, fair enough. But also, uh, there is a bit of a history in Mexico between Penta and Phoenix and uh, Andrade's uh, brother in ungovernableness, uh, Rush. 
True. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, stop subtitling Andrade while he's speaking English. All right. Yeah, that was, say. yeah, I, I I had a note about that too. Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't bullshit. need to talk. I don't need to harp on it, but just don't do it. Yeah, that, that was some bullshit. Uh, that is some bullshit. I, I mean, sure, go to the subtitles when he's actually speaking Spanish, but yeah, not, not, you know, that, that, that was unnecessary. Really unnecessary. And probably racist too. I mean, our second match of the evening, uh, Brian Cage defending the unofficial, unsanctioned. Uh, it's official. It's sanctioned. Listen, that belt has had its place, like, probably in some sort of shadow box in Taz's finished basement behind, like, a bar that I'm sure has, like, the Budweiser was up frogs on them. Um, <laughs> and, like, uh, uh, and, like a, a big booty babe that's, like, on top of some sort of Camaro. And it was probably, like, right next to that. And I consider that sanctioning. <laughs> Personal. Uh, he goes up to he goes up against uh, his stablemate uh, Ricky Starks, and oh god, the the babyface pop that Ricky Starks got uh, Starks got for this match. Ricky Starks, although a Louisiana native, uh, big in the Texas wrestling scene, uh, he was a big feature at Wrestle Circus, hugely over in the Austin, Texas area. So not real surprising that uh, we talked about this match being tailor made for Ricky Starks to win a belt in front of a Texas crowd. More on that to come, but uh, yeah, he is way over. Um, you mentioned Russell Circus, and I just remember, boy, that was a promotion that I really had high hopes for. And could they, been... There was some, some real fun shit came out of Russell Circus. There, 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 was, Circus. there was, but at the same time, all their cards, like legitimately all of their cards were the length of Russell Kingdom. And, you know... Oh, well, I mean, they died because they weren't run very well. Yeah. <laughs> everyone had fun. But and, and, they had were, fun. and they were hardly the only wrestling promotion to <laughs> have suffered I that mean, fate. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's just uh, that's the business, brother. Uh, what did you think of this match? Wait, what match? Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks for the FTW Oh, yeah, that's right. Title. Brian yeah. Cage versus Ricky Starks for the very real, very normal FTW title. Absolutely. Um, see what I did there? I really enjoyed it because I really enjoy Ricky Starks, and I thought the finish was great. So that was what really did it for me. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, this match was about the finish, and it got to that. Um, had some really nice false finishes in between. But, yeah, I love the end. Uh, what was the finish? Okay, so... Uh, it, Brooks like Brian Cage is going to set up Ricky Starks to uh, be hit on the apron. Well, context first. Uh, Ricky Starks is going to hit Brian Cage with the FTW belt. Will Hobbs pulls it away from Ricky, says, no, we got to do it the right way. Um, then it looks like Cage is setting up Ricky to go into the ropes and then be hit by Will Hobbs with the belt, like from the apron side. Ricky gets out of the way at the last second. Boom! Cage takes it. Cage takes a spear. One, two, three, and then... It's revealed that Team Taz had been planning this turn <gasps> all along. Oh, of course, I think we oh, called it. I, I think shit. We, I think we called it last week too. We did sort of call that, uh, but it was. I thought they got to it really well, and it was done great. Uh, Will Hobbs, huge credit to Will Hobbs for selling it. Uh, like the way he did the uh, the belt spot, and then did not look back at the ring apron, and just kind of looked up at the crowd and smiled. Yeah. Really great stuff. I'm seeing a lot of this, and we talked about, and something I remember us talking about early on in this podcast is with, while this show is so young, uh, 
people have to get better at being television wrestlers, right? Go right. from what you were doing with being like Brit, and Britt Baker was someone that we uh, talked about as an example of this, and we'll get to her. But I think Will Hobbs is definitely an example of this. There's a lot of a lot of other folks too, but. As time has gone on, they've really become better television wrestlers. People are great at finding the camera. Uh, people are great at, at, at selling things properly. The promos are getting better. Uh, things are really starting to click, and this show was really polished in that regard. Uh, with this, Ricky Starks is now the fourth generation FTW heavyweight champion. Uh, very interested, very interested to see where this goes. The Brian Cage being on the other side of it and how he combats Team Taz from here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they didn't really show Brian Cage after this, so we don't know the, uh, you know, the, I mean, the the implication is heavy that yeah, Brian Cage has been removed from uh, from Team Taz, and we did forget to mention that Taz was on commentary for this. Taz, yeah, as he you know is wont to do, is be on commentary for these matches, so we you know we've come to expect it, and it's always good. Uh, and you know, one of the other reasons I like watching Dark so much is him and Excalibur are a treat. We then go to a recap of the appearance of Tommy, Tommy, Tommy fucking end uh, last Who? week. Who? I only know Malachi, Malachi, Malachi fucking black. <laughs> it really just doesn't roll off the tongue the same way, does it? No, and I feel like you can't swear when your name is like Malachi Black. You have to use like some other like Malachi, Malachi, Malachi bully black. <laughs> By the way, they did say Tommy End Malachi on the horse feathers black. <laughs> they did say Tommy End on the air, so yeah, I think I'm, Cody I'm justified. Cody called him Tommy End, but I, you think that was like a Freudian slip? Uh, I think J- I think Jr. called him that too. Did he? Okay, interesting. I so I guess the deal is call him both and like really lean into that he is leaning into being a different persona while he's here. Like his he's had some sort of mental break type deal. Yeah, or something to that effect. Um, Cody Rhodes comes out. And uh, cuts a promo. Cody Gemstone, by the way. Uh, really funny that um, uh, there was multiple people that looked like Kenny Powers characters tonight. One Jericho, <laughs> or they looked like Danny McBride characters. I, I should say uh, Jericho like Kenny Powers and Cody like uh, uh, one of the Gemstone kids. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, we then get uh, dueling promos in black and white suits, and uh, this leads to a beatdown. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Do you, do you know any writers who use subtext? Uh, yeah, and they're all cowards. <laughs> all it cowards. Turns it turns out. Oh, man. They are just bludgeoning. And you know what? Here's one thing that I think is really cool about this, and is I guess if you want to try to find nuance in this incredibly on-the-nose storyline, you can find it here. We talk a lot on this podcast about AEW not having as much of the traditional face and heel dynamic as as wrestling shows past, right? right. Uh, they, they do this kind of gray area stuff pretty often. And we talk about Cody being like the prime avatar for that because he really believes in it. And Cody's characters and a lot of his feuds and a lot of what he's done throughout the last two years in AEW have been that, right? He's been a lot of gray areas, a lot of what I guess wrestling fans would consider tweener type characters, right? kind of between those two things, not exactly a face, not exactly a heel. Right. But for this next one, he is really going like full, literal white meat baby face. Right. Yeah, I mean, and again, interesting, like, like I, an interesting little uh, like change in character for this feud. And I, I think that's cool. Yeah, again, there's no uh, real subtext here. It's all pretty No, well but it's wrestling. Who gives a fuck about subtext? It's professional wrestling. It's the thing where like huge people get on tights and like beat each other up. What subtext do you need? <laughs> Good point. We then go backstage, and uh, Tully Blanchard 
is uh, talking to somebody. I, I I had my head turned for the start of this, and then uh, he runs right into Santana and Ortiz, and uh, Santana and Ortiz try to put the fear of God into him, but they don't actually. Oh, uh, this was so fucking good. <laughs> this was so good, Jeff. Uh, uh, proud and powerful. Be, you know, one of the best and I think uh, most exciting tag teams in all of AEW. The more we get them on TV, the better. They're really firing on all cylinders. Their confidence is just through the roof. And this was just an awesome segment. They grab Tully like they're going to beat him down. They pull a crowbar out. You think it's coming. And uh, they gave him a little love tap. It's a plastic fake crowbar. And they hit him with that Raylan Givens justified. Next one's coming faster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And they said, and they finish it with, we were taught to respect our elders and then give them a little laugh and walk off. Yeah. <laughs> to them yelling, come get your boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That Fantastic. was good. It's fucking rock. Great segment. And uh, I thought the way they weaved the inner circle versus pinnacle narrative fabric throughout this show a couple times, I thought was really well done. Some of the better pinnacle versus IC uh, non-wrestling stuff we've seen lately. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we then get another promo, this one in the ring uh, with Tony Schiavone uh, bringing out uh, Adam Page. And, uh, yeah, he was fired up. Molded into that shirt like fucking plastic injection. My goodness. You, 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 could, uh, you, you could see all the ripples on him. It was just... Cowboy shit is uh, bespoke shirts or uh, just fitting them really, really, really well. Um, during this, we we get Don Callis and the Elite coming out to uh, to harass uh, Adam Page. And uh, yeah, a couple of notes here. Number one, Keith Herring is rolling in his fucking grave. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, the Jackson brothers have proven my point about the six-year-old energy that I spoke about on this podcast last week. Uh, they are still on the sugar rush. They are in their parents' closet. Uh, they're, you know, and like and now this works too because like the parents of like current annoying children would be like elder millennials that would have like epic cat onesies. Still, right? You know, they, it's like the it's like what their parents like still wear to brunch. And they just like put it on and they're like, oh, look how cool I am. I'm an adult now. Right. Um, I, I will say that uh, Nick Jackson uh, trying to morph into Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione's cool, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't... the difference, the difference between Chuck Mangione and Nick Jackson is Chuck Mangione fucks. <laughs> as many records as he sold in the 70s, I hope. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Come on, man. You know Chuck Mangione was uh, uh, blowing that horn. Uh, uh, <laughs> He's a musician. He is a musician, yes. He played the French horn. Come on. Man. <laughs> w- w- what did you think we were talking about? French horn, American horn, Brazilian horn, Mexican horn. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. so, so Matt Jackson uh, kind of recaps, you know, for, through the, you know, in, in the most dick way possible. Uh, how we got here with Adam Page. And, you know, it's funny how they left out the part where, hey, re- remember how we drove you to drinking? You know, Well, you know, we're all adults and we make decisions here. You know, we all, I respect Adam Page's autonomy to become the highest functioning alcoholic in AEW. And I think it's panned out for him. So who's to say it's bad? Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Jackson. It's like when you drink and drive and get away with it. It turns out it's actually not that bad for you as long as you get away with it. So. Uh, uh, we here at Boom Goes the Dynamite do not endorse uh, <laughs> driving under the influence. Um, so uh, yeah, that's so right. Matt... You got to get above the influence. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> pack, pack up. You're, you're done. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Uh, Matt Jackson then, uh, you know, goads uh, Adam Page into hitting him, which, of course, brings out the rest of the elite, which then brings out the Dark Order. Hey, the friends, the homies, the lads. Yeah. And this just goes, yeah, th- this turns into some fire stuff, a fire oh, back and forth promo. Yeah, Kenny Omega really uh, is super engaged in this feud. Adam Page is a great foil for him. This is their longest term active storyline on this program, and it's all starting to pay off. And we've talked about Kenny Omega needing to have been this guy and to have been this like insufferable for this long for this to work. And he laid that groundwork over the last couple of months, or early since he's won the title. He's laid that groundwork perfectly for this to happen. And it's just, it's beautiful, man. If you want your, a little more, we talked about subtext earlier. I guess if you want some nuance and some subtext in your narrative, you can watch this one. Um, and there's not a ton of it. It's all pretty cut and dry. But, you know, I think that story about, you know, being afraid of failure and, you know, internalizing that and it leading to, you know, standing in your own way is something a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. So uh, coming up. They didn't say when. I think I'm going to guess it's going to happen at Fight for the Fallen, but we're going to have a five versus five, uh, Dark Order and Adam Page versus the Elite uh, Elimination match. If if uh, the Dark Order and Page win, uh, Page gets his shot at Kenny Omega, and the Dark Order gets a shot at the Young Bucks. I'm going to guess it's going to actually be Super Smash Bros. Who get that? I, I would assume, yeah, Uno and Grayson are the team that he was talking about there. And that would make sense. They're the highest ranked of the Dark Order tag teams, and uh, they're doing great stuff right well, now. So. And they are the actual original Dark Orders. <laughs> they technically are the original Dark Order. That is correct. Um, if, uh, if the Elite wins, then they have to go about their merry way and not challenge for jack shit. So. Yeah. Um, and... This is the I, you know, okay. So I wasn't super interested in this until they said elimination. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm into that. I really like elimination matches. Survivor Series has always been a favorite kind of uh, gimmick of mine. One of, uh, uh, I think, the best shows I attended, or, you know, uh, uh, legendary shows I attended. Survivor Series 1999, Detroit, Michigan, when Stone Cold Steve Austin got hit by a car, uh, turned out by Rikishi, unbeknownst at the time. Right. I think Classic I remember. Moments. Yeah, I think I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, that, I, that hasn't been put on the books yet, but I'm going to guess it's going to happen at Fight for the Fallen because it, they did right. not mention it when they went down next week's show for, for Fighter Fest Part 2. So Yeah, I would assume that it goes to Fight for the Fallen, uh, that the Dark Order get the win, uh, Hangman gets his shot at All Out, and the uh, Dark Order get theirs either at or before All Out. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um. We then get a Chris Jericho promo where he kind of rambled a little bit, but he names like every comic book universe you can think of in this in this promo, and then uh, and then take with it. Say again. He just needs to like know. He needs he needs to show everyone that he knows all the stuff and the cool things that the hip kids like. And then he gets uh, socked in the in the throat with a chair by Sean Spears. Yeah, and he got chaired. He got chaired by the chair guy. Yeah, it turns out chair guy. So now it turns out that uh, the the first uh, labor of Jericho will be a match against Sean Spears where only Sean Spears can use a chair. 
Isn't it crazy how if you get hit by a chair, like sometimes you might have to sit in a chair afterwards to uh, to recover? Kind of wild. Think about that. Kind of wild. How I think uh, I think it says a lot about society, Jeff. What happens if you get hit by a couch? Do you get to lay down for a little bit? Uh, I mean, you have you can, but like kind of in like one of those awkward like three quarter positions, and you have to anchor one leg on the ground so you don't get mm. the spins. Hmm. Hmm. You may have something there. Adam Page is not the only high-functioning alcoholic around these parts. <laughs> well, how dare I you? I, 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 how dare you call me an alcoholic? Oh, I, we were talking about you. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our third match of the evening, Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. Um, there's a stat here I could not believe. Please uh, lay it on me. Um, well, it kind of spoils the result of the match. <laughs> Oh, well, lay it on me when we talk about the match. So um, this match, I don't think people had super high expectations for. I'll say on record, I had high expectations for it. I knew this match was going to be good. And that's not to brag. Uh, Yes, it is. It's to brag. Uh, But this match was better than it had any business being. Um, Matt Hardy did not have to go that hard. He did. Christian Cage does not still have to be this good. He is. Matt Hardy does not have to continue to have good matches despite really all like logic saying that he's probably washed and done, but he can pull these out. And he was, I thought looked really good in this match and and might've been my favorite match of the night. Honestly, it was, it was pretty good. Actually. I really enjoyed this one. I thought this was just a great wrestling match. Just really good TV wrestling felt like, Something that you'd see on a pay-per-view. Yeah, it really I, did. It felt like a pay-per-view enough. wrestling Yeah, so uh, the stat that I mentioned was that I could not believe that in 23 years, Christian Cage never had a singles win over Matt Hardy. Interesting. That is interesting. You'd think I, at a house at least. Yeah, I, I have to look that one up. Yeah, unless there's like, I mean, there could be missing stats from house shows and stuff here and there. You never know when these one-offs happen. But yeah, but what, that's 20, really interesting, yeah. 23 years to get a singles win. I mean, like, all Japan in its classic days did not go that long, you know? <laughs> and uh, you got to keep plugging away, keep trying, and outwork everyone. Sometimes it pays off. Turns out. This one also, and uh, you know, I think the if I'm going to talk, like, you know, do some nitpicking for this show, this match, also a bit of an abrupt finish. Uh, the yeah. finish was felt a little abrupt. But I don't think that's it was bad either. Like, I don't think it was bad. I just thought we could have maybe draw that out a little bit more. To I, just sometimes those finishes feel a little sudden. Yeah, no, no I, I I know what you're getting at here. Like, so. it's just it's a little less organic when you get to it that quickly. Right. Uh, afterwards, the uh, Hardy family office tries to jump Christian Cage, but uh, Jurassic Express comes to the rescue. And this is how you make friends. It turns out. It turns out make friends with everyone, outwork everyone. Um, you know, be cool to a, a dinosaur's friend, and then the dinosaur will help you. We then get a string of of hot fire promos all in a row. Uh, starting off with uh, your TNT and God's favorite champion, Miro. Uh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> nice, nice little video package. I thought the the this was really you know well done. Really you know uh, highlighted Miro's intensity and fire, and we saw the Luigi belt. Yeah, we have a white strap belt. 
It's white and it's Bulgarian colors, and that's awesome. But you know, because the other belt's red and this one's white and green, I'm gonna make Mario and Luigi well, comparisons. Just well, no, around. no, hang on, I didn't catch any of the green. Yeah, dude, it's uh white. It's a white strap, and then the champion ribbon instead of red, it's green. Oh no shit! That's why. Yeah, oh, it's I the missed that, belt, bro. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I mean, it's like Bulgarian colors, but yeah, um, I think that's really great. And I'm uh, so wait. If uh, Cody has the Mario belt, and if uh, Miro has the Luigi belt, who get the Wario and Waluigi belts? Who are the Wario and Waluigi of, of AEW? Oh, no. I don't even know. On Helico's Waluigi. Um, right? I'm just going to say on Helico's Waluigi. And Wario has to be Luther? Okay, I, I, I can go Luther for that. Luther is probably AEW's Wario. Uh, if you have better suggestions for who are the Wario and Waluigi of AEW, tweet us at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> we then go to the ring for a uh, a promo from Britt Baker that, oh my God. Woo! Shoot week continues for Britt Baker. Yeah, uh, she's. We talk about it every week. Firing on all cylinders. It's just it's showing no signs of slowing down. She's got it all put together. The crowd is just electric for her. Uh, she's the rare heel that can get away with the crowd loving her. Uh, which I mean, you. This is this is terror. This is like big time territory we're talking here. This is big star shit that, that she's up to right now. Um, I. It's hard to find other words. She has all the words. Listen to her, not me. Fuck that. Yeah, she uh, is. She's crushing. She is definitely the most improved personality on TV. And, you know, and, and that's why I said earlier in the podcast, like that's my prime example of like someone who we knew would be really good once she got good at the TV stuff, and she has. She's a natural for it. She's really good at being on camera. She is every bit of the star that AEW expected her to be from the get-go. Uh, I'm sure they're elated to see it pan out like the way it has. And I know I am as a fan. Uh, yeah, she's just been uh, nothing but a treat to, to see on this title run. And going back to the Nyla well, you'd think, uh, well, you know, we've seen this before, but she's found a way to make this really interesting again. Yeah, no, that this was just a hot fire promo, and then so and to uh, come back but after getting just yeeted through that fucking table last week. Oh yeah, God, was that only just last week? Jeez, just last week, dude. <laughs> I know a lot happens. It turns time means nothing. It really, Truly. yeah. The pandemic, yeah, <laughs> made time mean absolutely nothing. We then go backstage for a another hot fire promo from one Jonathan Moxley and. Uh, Oh, yeah, this pretty much confirms, yes, we are getting a Texas Death rematch for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight title Except next your Texas week. Challenge for a Texas match in Texas, uh, yes. as it turns out. So I think it's really convenient that they're having the... I wonder if they planned that. And, and that... that la, Yeah. And that last line, beautiful. Beautiful. Are you going to say it? I was waiting for you to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't want to... I, I don't want to ruin you can All say right. it. You can say I've, it. I, I'm I'll not going to take any responsibility. Forgot, so. Oh, okay. Well, fine. You be that way. He said you, you, you were Texas born. You were Texas bred. Next week, you're going to be Texas dead. Oh, like, shit. Yeah, that's good. That that was good. Yeah, that Mox, good. Mox does not 
for someone without a catchphrase, he's just one of the, the best promos ever. I mean, he's got all the catchphrases. Like, he is a catchphrase. I guess uh, uh, he tried to make bitch AF a thing. That That's not good. Let's move on from that. Yeah, that, that didn't quite work. That... Yeah, it's really funny they put it on a t-shirt. Because it's like, it just says bitch AF. So it's like you're wearing it. Are you indicating that you are the one who is bitch AF? Yeah, like that doesn't quite work, does it? Good shirt to like wear, right? Yeah, it does. And like they tried to make it as like they're showing it's clearly a quote, but like, wh- why? Well, you know, I think it's this so is con- like an out of con, like just saying "bitch af" with zero context, like as a quote, doesn't make any sense either. Well, you know, I, I think this is part of the problem with AEW as a merch provider and all that is that they, they try to rush stuff out like that without actually seeing if it actually you know gets over. Well, that's just pro wrestling, man. If you get a catchphrase, you're going to immediately put it on a T-shirt and see what sells. And, you know, they have the advantage of being able to do custom printing with pro wrestling tees. So, like, they don't have to do big orders. Yeah. I mean, true. So you but... can try anything you want. And if it doesn't work, you just don't make them. Right. But he means somebody. Right. But somebody had to design that on the fly, too. Yeah. Well, hey, if, as, long as, the, as long as the graphic design is your passion and you're getting paid, that's cool. Yeah. Well, okay. Fair enough. If AEW's paying me to do the worst T-shirt designs on Earth, that'd be fine by me. Who cares? You know, a lot of the, the designs really are not bad. No, the, they're, 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 they're nowhere close to WWE stinkers. bad, but... Yeah, no, there's some real stinkers. There's some really, there really bad ones out there. But there's also some pretty nice ones. I don't think overall the AEW t-shirt selection is, like, especially good. I think it's like, eh, fine. There's a couple really good ones. Most of them are forgettable. I, I don't... Uh, I still do not own any bit of AEW merch. Nice. I got so. the AEW Chicago flag shirt, which okay. is cool. Okay. Or the AEW logo is the Chicago flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that, and I also I got a, I got one of the T-shirts from Double or Nothing. The day after, I bought it at Starcast for like ten bucks. So I have a Double or Nothing T-shirt that I got really cheap. Well, too. I just remember so many people on the floor uh, the night after Revolution 2020 on the floor at C2E2, including a couple of comic book creators. Uh, had the the you know the brand new AEW uh, Mox title T-shirt. Ah, uh, that's I was good. Like, one. Damn, I, that was a good one, but I didn't get it. So you know, it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So, moving on, our fourth match of the evening: Sammy Guevara versus in his AEW Dynamite debut. He's been on uh, Dark and or Elevation at least once or twice. Uh, late of NJPW Strong and will also be featuring in the Tag Team Turbulence Tournament, uh, teaming with new AAW heavyweight champion, Fred Yehi, Wheeler, Utah. Wait, and also the independent wrestling champion. Who? Utah. Oh, is he? Utah's the, the uh, IWTV independent wrestling champion as well. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, he won it off of Lee Moriarty like a month or two ago. Oh, damn. I, I missed that. Yeah, really My interesting bad. stuff. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, Yuta is, is in fuego, man. He's hot right now. Yeah, and uh, yeah. For this good was, reason. And you know what? This was a fun little sprint of a match. Woo! I really enjoyed this. Sammy Guevara obviously is going to be your guy to get the win here, but Yuta really got his shit in and I think really introduced himself to the crowd in a great way. Was a really good foil. And you know what? This was like one of those really good Beyond Wrestling matches, wasn't it? Didn't this feel like it was in like the middle of a good Beyond card? Yeah. I, you know what? I take your point there. That and that's a compliment. Good. Yeah. You know, Beyond puts on some bangers, man. And like, you know, you'd obviously a big part of Beyond Wrestling. Um, but yeah, this felt like it. And I really, yeah, really had fun with this. So yeah, it, it's really good that uh, Willie Yuda is getting, uh, get, getting a, 
well, getting a lot of work. Let's just put it that way. Looks like, we're a lot, looks like we're seeing a lot more of him. Looks like he's going to kind of stand in for Trent uh, with the best friends while Trent recovers. Yeah, he's kind of like an auxiliary member. So now there's that makes two auxiliary best friends. Yay. If uh, you count ro- one uh, Rocky Romero. Although I think we're going to be seeing Yuta like, as a part of there like, week to week at some point in the very near future. Yeah, we may do. We may do. Uh, we then go to a backstage promo with QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado, where they just kind of pour iced coffee over Tony Schiavone. QT Marshall straight up looked like uh, if Charlie Sheen from Two and a Half Men went to like a mega boat rally. That's you know, all I got. You, you, you know what? That's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's all I got for that segment. Okay, yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> our fifth match of the evening, Penelope Ford taking on the returning Yuka Sakazaki. So magical. Woo! So, so, could you feel how magical? I'll tell you, my girlfriend saw Yuka for the first time while we were watching this, and she was just immediately was like, oh my God, why do I love her so much? She's, she, yes. Yes, like you she do. She really is so captivating. She is great. And I, I, I'm so glad they kept the, the, the proper music, too. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, the, the plan, I think, here was don't change a thing because they could see how over Yuka was pre-pandemic. Uh, she really ingratiated herself to the AEW fandom really early on when AEW first started. Oh, yeah. And the fans for sure did not forget. And you could hear it in the crowd. They popped for her real hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, and that was great. And that was one thing I wanted to bring up, too, is that the, the, the crowd in Texas. Because this is the Texas crowd I remember from the, uh, you know, when uh, G1 Climax, uh, Mm. uh, when G1 Climax 29 opened up in Dallas. Because even though they did not sell out the American Airlines Center at that at that opener, they uh, the crowd there more than made up for it. And boy, in good old sportatorium fashion, they were cheering the baby faces and they were booing the heels and they did yeah, that shout tonight. out texas crowd i thought it was uh, yeah i mean they were eager for some wrestling they were really excited to see some wrestling and uh yeah they showed up good stuff yeah this was like yeah so texas it turns out actually and, has and, good wrestling crowds and you know I, as much as i want to just fawn over how great yuke is and how happy i am to see her back penelope ford definitely deserves some credit man she's getting talk about people who are also you know among the most improved on the AEW. penelope ford's got to be up there with them too yeah, she she really is better than you know she she was when she started in a in AEW, uh, excuse me. And she has the confidence too. And again, it's figured it out on television. Uh, that little the the spot um, against the middle rope where she kind of got her face right up to the camera, little stuff like that. Uh, she's really doing better, and you know makes these kind of matches more entertaining. And you know made this return for Yuka that much more satisfying. When spoilers, Yuka gets the victory. Yeah, magical girl splash. I, I actually, awesome. I actually awesome. have only one note for this match. What's your note? Yay! That's literally <laughs> That's it. A That's a good note. That is That's fair. Literally, That's fair. I mean, what Let's else can you say? Back, uh, Yuka will be on more Wednesday nights, and we all love to see it. That's all we need on this match. Our main event of the evening: Darby Allen versus All Ego Ethan Page in a coffin match. Coffin match. Yeah, um, this had the mayhem. Hey, baby, you got the novel coronavirus because I see your coffin. Yipes. <laughs> uh, on that note. Uh, you know how I avoid getting put in coffin matches? I got vaccinated. There you oh, go. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, whoa. Oh. 
Uh, yeah, when Ethan started tearing the ring down, I was like, oh, shit. We, we, we right got away, some... at the beginning of the match. Yeah, we, we got some mayhem going on here. Uh, at one point, I thought when Ethan took the, turn, the turnbuckle hook, Darby, I was like, oh, God, he's going to warhorse him. He didn't warhorse him. He Kylie Ray GPA'd him from the I Quit match. Now, I didn't see that match, so I, I didn't catch um, that. One but... of my favorite indie wrestling matches and maybe one of the best freelance wrestling matches of all time, Kylie Ray GPA, I Quit match, Logan Square Auditorium. Uh, Kylie won by fish-hooking GPA with the turnbuckle hook. Oh, God. Well, Darby would end up doing it. Darby fish hooks Ethan Page with the turnbuckle hook. It was fucking awesome. Oh. This match ruled. Uh, I noticed there was quite a bit of like online sentiment about how casket matches or coffin matches aren't good or how like these type of matches where it's like your object is to like put a guy in a thing are bad. Well, I think all of you that said that can shut the fuck up because this match ruled. Coffin matches rule. This was a fun match. This was a really fun match. Uh, Ethan Page and Darby Allen have like one of these years long, could be like a career spanning type rivalry, right? Like these guys could just fight forever. They could be Cena and Randy Orton. They could be, uh, you know, Steen and uh, El Generico slash Sami Zayn, those two specifically different separate people that Kevin Steen had feuds with. Right. you know, there, there's a lot of potential here. Uh, and now, you know, we have a really great match with a, a, a really big finish. And now we can keep them apart for a little while. But this is not the last time we'll see them in an AEW ring together. And uh, I love the prospect of it. Oh, probably not. Probably not. Definitely not. Um, 100%. The next time they wrestle, it'll be for a belt. Darby Allen gets the win, uh, putting Ethan Page into the coffin after hitting him with a skateboard. And then... Uh, Drop from the second rope onto Ethan Page, uh, doing an actual skateboard trick onto Ethan Page. And then does a coffin drop through the coffin. Whoo! That was... When he started climbing up there, I was like, wait, is he gonna... Oh, okay. All right, here, we're gonna... I guess we're gonna... Oh, sh- shit! So, and with that... Yeah! With that th- was a... Uh, we really end Fighter Fest night one literally with a bang. Yeah, that, that, that was good. And with that, we do conclude night one of fighter fest 2021 from the heb center in uh, cedar park texas um yeah overall this was a a a very strong card um i love the fact that they opened with the iwgp match um and then because again it was a different kind of match so it it was different from the rest of the the show so they had to get kind of get it out of the way well, I think that makes for a good opener. I think they they learned that lesson with their previous, you know, uh, forays into, you know, defending the IWGP on Dynamite. It seems like opening the show was a good spot for it, and that was good. Yeah, this was a very, very good card that felt like a little pay-per-view. It felt like a like a, a second-tier pay-per-view. And yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, super. A, that's the best compliment I can give it. I think it was a good show that was held back from being great by just some simple... Uh, uh, pacing stuff with finishes with multiple matches, including the main event here. It that also felt just a little abrupt too. But I don't think, again, I don't think any of those things really diminished it, but maybe held this card back from being like 
whoa, all timer, you know? Yeah, no, I, I got you. No, th- th- this was very satisfying. I thought it was very good, and yeah, satisfying is the, is a great descriptor. Uh, there were some absolute scorcher promos tonight. Yeah, good. And and you know when you have you know a, a you know when, what you want to call a pay per view quality show, it's not just the matches. When you want to have a pay per view, if you're going to put people on the mic, you have to deliver, right? You can't just c- cut TV style promos on what's supposed to be a special show. And everybody stepped up in that regard too, and you know made this show feel special. I agree. So so far, Jeff, uh, to finish, wrap this uh, this up, we're halfway through this month of specials now. Are you still worried about special fatigue? Not yet. Um, by the time we get to fight for the fall, I may feel differently. Mm, I, I feel more confident after tonight, but yeah, I, I would say cautiously optimistic. Paul, go ahead and blow yourself. Find me on Twitter at CoolStepUncle and, of course, Twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, all C's, no K's. And definitely, for sure, 100%, if you're not already following this podcast on Twitter, create a tw- if you don't have Twitter, create Twitter, become first name bunch of, be like, my name is first name bunch of numbers, and here are all of my opinions on AEW Dynamite. Uh, you can follow us at BGTD Podcast there. You can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at GD Wessel. Uh, we did release a uh, Busting Balls this past weekend uh, to account for the uh, finals of both Euro 2020 and Copa America. But also, I want to plug a special project. If you go to kickstarter.com, search the word takedown, T-A-K-E-D-O-W-N, you will find a Kickstarter uh, colorizing an old comic book I wrote back in the 2010s. Um, we're about 60% funded, so that's only 800 bucks away. So uh, please feel free to uh, throw your money at it and get a uh, good comic that I wrote uh, back when I thought I was going to have a comic book career. So, <laughs> well, so anyway, uh, <laughs> but hey, now you're a podcaster. All your real dreams have come true. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, any last words? Uh, yeah, try Detroit-style pizza if you haven't. Um, you know what? I actually did this weekend. I did. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But, listener, you should too. It was pretty good, I have to say. it was. I, I, I quite like the, 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 the light, airy crust. There you go. All right. We will be back next week for part two of Fighter Fest 2021. We'll see you then. Part two. Woo!